So we launch a new series today, and I want everyone to know who everyone is. Now to explain that, you need to know that this is not just one church and one building. We are one church and we have multiple locations. So I wanna give a special shout out, and we're gonna cheer for this, to the fellows at the Rapid City Minimum Unit, the local prison, we're glad that you guys are in on this. This is awesome. And for those of you who are with me, and just I hope you enjoy this as much, but it's better in the prison. So uh, we're launching a brand new series called Voices because here's the deal, you, you hear voices. See, I just freed some of you. You're like, really? Because I've been, you have voices in your head, stuff going on in your head, uh, things being told to you about you, about situations, stuff that just kind of rolling around, and, and you listen to some of them, and, and some, you've named some of them. One of them might be named Bob, and you listen to what Bob tells you in your head, and you've got problems. Uh, some of you listen to what you call your gut or, or your intuition, and that voice that tells you what to do or how to do or when to make that decision. Some of you know about what the Bible teaches you, that when you do surrender your life to Jesus and follow him, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you listen to the Holy Spirit guiding you. But we all have voices, good and bad, actually, in our heads, telling us some stuff that you and I have to wrestle. And so we're going to walk through the negative voices in your head. Because I would tell you a very simple statement, what you think impacts you more than you think. I'm going to say that again. What you think impacts you more than you think. And your thoughts drive you all day long and frankly, all night long. As you think and think and think. And sometimes that gets caught onto a bad set of tracks. And all you think is this negative, horrible stuff. So we're gonna go through things like the voice of fear in your head. The voice of shame in your head. The voice of worry. Some of you think worry is a personality trait. It's not. It's not a good thing for you. And we're also going to talk about condemnation, that voice of saying that you are worthless and your past is going to forever follow you. We're going to go into all that. So we'll launch with the voice of fear because every one of us wrestles with and deals with fear. Fear can dominate you. In fact, frankly, the reason we launched this series with this message is so many of us wake up and live the whole day in fear. We put helmets on our kids from day one through the rest of their lives. And we, well, if you're like me, I tell my kids they're, they're not allowed to date until they're 35. And, and there's things that we do as parents that we're like, you can't do this anymore and that anymore and blah, blah, blah. Kids can't ride their bikes in the neighborhoods. And we, we, we live in fear. And then there's also, you, you start a job and, and you're very afraid, I can't do this. I don't know if, is anyone gonna know that I don't really know what I'm doing kind of stuff. And, or you start a new relationship and you really feel out of your league, and you, and you, you probably are, and, and you're afraid that it all is going to crumble. And It's amazing what fear does to us and how it implodes our relationships, our work environments. Some of you launched schools just recently, and, and you're scared to death. You got what the teacher wants you to accomplish over the whole semester of the year. You're going, I don't know if I can do this. And fear begins to lead you. I would tell you it's a dangerous territory to let fear lead you. Fear can take you to the wrong place. Now, let me tell you a story, old story. Starts in 1820. None of you were alive then that I'm aware of. 1820, there was a ship, a whaling ship called the Essex. The whaling ship, the Essex, was out doing what whaling ships do, looking for whales, not to sightsee whales, by the way. And they were out hunting whales. And the way the ships worked then is they had this big ship and then small boats that would detach from the big ship and they would go hunting and come back to the big ship. The problem was 
while one of the small boats was off looking for whales, an 85-foot whale found the Essex. (laughs) An 85-foot whale is enormous. That whale began to attack the whaling ship. Ironic. (laughs) And literally began to, I'm telling you, attack it, ram it, rammed it twice and created such a major breach in the whole ship that it began to sink. All of the crew regathered at the Essex, got all of the boats detached from the Essex, and the Essex sank. Now, you've got now three lifeboats floating in the water. There's about 20 of them. And now what they need to do is, I mean, they they are well-versed. They know where to go and what to do. And they had enough supplies they had gathered from the Essex and put into these boats. They had enough supplies and everything to take themselves to to a neighboring group of islands. They knew where the islands were. They could get there as plain as going to be good, except one problem. There had been rumors, (laughs) rumors that on those particular islands, there were cannibals. And they locked on to these rumors. They were freaked out, as you and I would be, about going and, in theory, saving your life, but encountering cannibals to then end it. And so they chose to not go to the islands out of fear and to go to opposite direction and hope that a boat would simply spot them. The ironic part of this very true story is that their fear of the cannibals on the island put them in such a horrible situation that they actually began to cannibalize each other. Not to get too graphic, but some of the men began to die, and the only way that they were going to live was to cannibalize each other. It got so bad that there weren't any of them that were dead, so they drew lots to see who would get shot, and then they would cannibalize that person. True story. It's fascinating to me that our fears lead us away from oftentimes the best environment. Just so you know, one of the boats drifted at sea for nine weeks. The next one, 10 weeks. Approximately, they think about five of them survived the whole ordeal. If they had just gone to the island, they would have been safe because what you may not know, and I can tell you about history, is the rumors about the cannibals on those islands, totally untrue. There had been traders operating on those islands for years with not a single recorded incident of cannibals. It's amazing what fear will keep you from. You've experienced this. There was a day in your life that you thought someone was actually a monster was in your closet. Some of you are adults and you still think so. Uh, There's not. But it's amazing the fears that you used to have that you no longer have. Could perhaps that be a A thing of as an adult or a teenager where perhaps the fears that you have are not fears that should be driving you. I'm not talking about, by the way, fears of insects and snakes. And I mean, by the way, some of you think I'm because I I bash cats all the time. You think I'm afraid of cats. I'm I'm not. I'm afraid of cat owners. (laughs) I don't trust your ability to be rational. I'm not talking about those kinds of fears. I'm talking about the legitimate. Life-pausing fears. The fears that may have caused you to not take a job that you should have. The fears that actually robbed you of a relationship that you wish you were still in. The, The fears that actually dissolved something in your life and hurt something in your life. And you begin to think, man alive, I'm so afraid. I don't think I can. I'm afraid. And it's driven you. So so I'm going to show you a quote. This is a cool quote. I don't know if any of you read on your Kindle app, if you have a Kindle app or I'm not going to ask those of you who read because it'll be embarrassing for all of us. But, but there's, a, there's a quote. 
It, if you had the Kindle app and, and you've got it on your iPad or your Kindle or however that works, I want you to see this, that they're watching you. I'm sorry to tell you that too. They're watching you and paying attention to you. So here's how this works. Is they take note of the notes that you take on your Kindle app. Uh, in, in fact, here, here's the deal. If you ever highlight something on your Kindle app, if you ever highlight, this is gonna freak some of you out. If you ever highlight anything on your Kindle app, someone's watching. So what they've done is, is they've compiled, and they constantly do this, the number one most highlighted quotes of all books purchased on Amazon.com through the apps. This is the number one quote. Literally the number one quote. Here we go. Because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. Out of the Hunger Games, volume two. Any tributes, huh? Sorry. You have to read the book. Sorry, sorry. Totally ADD. Because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. That's what I thought was interesting. The, literally twice as many as the next one in line. That fear I think we identify with this because there are many of us with the primary fear in our life is that we're not equipped to deal with what's in front of us. It could be a relationship, a job, a school. It could be simply a big decision to make. But there are a good, vast majority of us who are looking at this decision that needs to be made or this relationship that we need to be in and we do not feel equipped. And so fear begins to cause us to walk away. Now there's a Bible story that helps us even unpack this even better. There's a Bible story in the book of Numbers in your Bible. By the way, I'm telling you the truth. There really is a, a book called Numbers. It's in the Old Testament, the old part of your Bible. Uh, and, and, and in this, all oh, great stories, great stories. There's a guy named Caleb. We're gonna highlight Caleb. You're gonna hear about a guy named Moses. But it's a really cool story about some spies. So, so those of you who like Mission Impossible or James Bond, tune in. This is awesome. <clears throat> but that started at the very beginning of this. Numbers 13, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. Stop, which I am giving to the Israelites. One more time, which I am giving to the Israelites. There is land, God says, I'm giving it to you. All right? From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So Moses gathers top leaders, 12 leaders, they are the leaders in their community amongst the Israelites. He gathers them up. You're going to be spies. They're so hyped up. They're like, do we have any cool gadget gear? Stuff like that. What do we get? What car do we get? No, they don't ask any of that. But there's these spies, 12 spies. And Moses is saying, hey, God's going to give us this land. All you got to do is, is go into the land and, and kind of figure out a good strategy for us on how we're going to take this land. So he sends them in with instructions. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak. Few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? You didn't know that spies look for trees. Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. So Moses does exactly what God told him to do. God says, I'm gonna give you this land. Setting it up, you got it, locked in, don't worry about it. I need you to send some people. And so Moses gets 12 spies, sends them into the land that God's already promised to give them. They just need to kind of spot it out and figure out which way to go in and how to do this. And and so they're sent off for 40 days. 40 days, you got 40 days? 40 days is important. So they go into this land for 40 days and they come back. And, And watch this report that they give to Moses They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Yes, translated, ribs, sweet tea, 
dessert from Alpine Inn. You got me? You got this? Okay. Okay, just trying to help you. Here is its fruit. They brought back these big, giant clusters of fruit. It's awesome. But, but, but it turns right here. Turns. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Now, you may not know descendants of Anak. Is that like a mean person? Who is this guy? Well, descendants of Anak, they would have known in that context. Those descendants were giants. See, some of you thought that only Disney knew about the giants. No, we, there actually were descendants, groups of people who were giants. We got a little bit of a taste of them with David and the giant Goliath. There were giants, big, enormous, strong, powerful people living in this land. Now, I'm going to pause the story because we have just revealed something. You've got God saying, I'm going to give you this land. Yes, and I'm going to send you into it. I just want you to go investigate. And they're like, awesome, God's going to give this land. And they talk about it does have everything that God ever promised. Milk and honey, this is going to be absolutely amazing. But they're really big. People real big. I mean, it sounds like a second grade conversation on the playground. When the second graders see the fifth graders, and they're like, they're really big. We can't play with them. I mean, is that, this is like a playground conversation. See, you and I go, but God told you you could have it. So if God told you you could have it, you're going to have it, and he's going to set you up for it. But they have forgotten something very profound that we must grab a hold of. Here it is. Key truth here. Never let the presence of fear cause you to doubt the presence of God. And for many of us, oh, we acknowledge that God is awesome, but when fear arises and slaps you in the face, you forget that God is still standing there with you. The presence of God is a very profound thing to remember. In fact, I would tell you, anyone's presence is a big deal. I, I can illustrate it this way. If you don't know this about South Dakota yet, especially you'll find out if you're ever a parent or a grandparent, uh, if there's a thunderstorm, like a big giant thunderstorm, it only comes in two times. One, why we're having church, which is one. The other one is, is it comes at night as soon as you put the kids to bed. Just, just forewarning you, for those of you who have never had kids, just wait. You put them to bed, everyone's asleep, it's sweet, then the thunder rolls. So here's what happens in our house. Our kids don't like thunderstorms, do not enjoy them. Again, don't forget that we're from Kansas. Thunderstorms typically lead to tornadoes. It's just how it works. And so thunderstorms roll in, and, and, and the kids don't really come to our room as much because I'm not really inviting to them. Um, I want my bed. That's, it's my bed. Uh, and so they come in, so they stop kind of doing that as much, and now they gather in Titus's room. So, so the other day, we had a thunderstorm, and I, I, I thought it was kind of cute, so I went in and, and took a picture of them. They just thought it was more lightning. Don't worry about it. Just freaked them out a little bit more. <clears throat> and I took a picture of them, and what's fascinating to me is I got my 12-year-old son, who's in the youth group, my 7-year-old daughter, and they're convening in the 2-year-old's room. <laughs> now, 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 rational thought would be like, no. Like, go to mom and dad's. But I'm telling you, it's not about, about the exact safety issue. It's about presence. Every one of us remembers this. The power of presence. That presence it does something so significant in your life that when you're with people that you trust, that you can rely on, or at least it just make you feel good being together, it changes your fear, doesn't it? Uh, let me give you another example. Uh, just recently, I was in Georgia speaking at a conference, 
And I was excited because what I was going to get to do at the conference was just tell the story of what God's been doing at Fountain Springs. So I get to just go, like, people say, will you come brag on your church? Yes, I will. This is going to be awesome. So I brought Katie with me, my wife, and this is going to be awesome. So, so we went, and, and, and I'm all prepared to speak. I know it's going to go on. I knew the general time show showed up early and we're there. I'm so excited. And so I show up, all prepared to tell the story. Then I see the program, and I see that someone's speaking before me. Sweet. Who is it? And that's where I begin to lose my mind. You see, the person speaking before me was, is one of my heroes, He's leading one of the largest churches in the United States of America. And I was like, oh my, I can't wait. So I sat down while I'm taking notes. I literally break out my, my iPad and I'm like just putting everything down. Like everything he says, this is great, this is awesome. And then I had this thought in my head. I hope, I hope he doesn't stay when I speak. He would. He's too busy to do that. And so, so, so he got done speaking. It was awesome. We talked. I was like, you nailed it, sweet. That's awesome. Now go home. And so there was this break time. And like, oh, he's got some meetings planned with someone or there. And, and so the break happened. I was like, sweet. So I'm all getting ready. I'm all jazzed to tell your story. And, and, and it's awesome. So I go up to speak. And as I get to speak, I'm staring at him face to face. Lost my mind. Internally, I'm, going, I'm crying like a baby, trying to run somehow, figure out how can I make myself throw up so I have to leave, and it's all, I'm looking, going, I, I don't want you here. Like, I, I love you, you're a great guy. I don't want you to listen to this because it's not gonna be eloquent, and, and I'm freaking out, sweating buckets, trying to figure out how to get out of the situation, and then, out of the corner of my eye, I caught a glimpse of my bride, Katie. Now, I don't tell you this to to get points or, well, yes I do. Uh, <laughs> but I caught a glimpse of Katie and just her presence settled me a bit to then in somewhat of an articulate way tell the story of what God has done in the Rapid City in the Black Hills area. The power of presence changes how you engage fear. It started as a kid, you remember those moments, but even nowadays, when you're afraid, you have a tendency to want to be around certain people. Do not allow the presence of fear to cause you to forget the presence of God. And so I need to remind you of something. God has never left your presence. He made you, knew you well before he made you, and the moment you were born, you don't know this, but he's with you. Even when you did all that stupid stuff that you hope no one finds out through life, he was with you. God has never forgotten you. He's never lost sight of you. He's never been ignorant to what's going on in your life. He's never been surprised by the events that unfold in your life. He's never been so distracted by someone else's life that he forgot about you. He has always been, listen, in your presence. We often talk about how we feel so close to God at certain moments. That's only a feeling because he's always been with you. Do not allow fear to make you forget that. Now, the story gets uglier. <laughs> Uh, and they don't all of a sudden go like, oh, you're right. Thanks, Pastor David. We forgot about this. Let's march forward. In fact, these guys who are scared, these spies, get more freaked out and start spreading rumors. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. So if you, if you haven't caught this, God says, I'm going to give you this land. It's all yours. You're going to be hooked up. It's sweet. They're now to the point of literally in public, grown men, warriors, spies, 
screaming and crying. I hope you can picture that. All the Israelites, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Listen, listen, for those of you who are leaders, do not underestimate the power of displaying your fear in an unhealthy way. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. So now the fear of the 10 spies is freaking out everybody. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. So now to the point, they're like, we just want to die. I mean, you've got friends like that. One bad thing happens. Like, I just want to die. I hate this. And they just literally emotionally turn to who, like some monster. Watch this. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Passive aggressive statement is awesome. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. It's fascinating to me, the beginning of this story starts with God saying, hey, I've got some awesome land for you. I'm gonna give it to you. It's all yours. And because of an unfounded fear, they are now saying, we wanna go be slaves again. Now, don't be so quick to judge. Because you've had fears, listen, that have trumped what you knew God wanted for you. You've been in an awesome relationship where you're like, this is awesome. She's hot or he's cute. And they're like, this is working out amazing. But then you got so scared by it, you sabotaged it and left the relationship. Or you entered school and everything. It was a new year, new beginning. You're so excited. But then things got tough. Things got challenging. The friends you thought you'd have, you don't have anymore. And you got afraid. So you begin to sabotage and isolate yourself. It's amazing what fear does. And in fact, I would contend that when we're afraid, we all consider running. Everyone has this moment where we consider, I think I can run away. And some of you have processed what the cost will be if you run away and how that's going to play out. And you even process, oh, oh I'm going to run, I'm going to run. Now, some of you are like, no, I don't ever run. I, I just stare fear in the face. Afterwards, I'll, I'll test that theory on you. Every one of us, listen, every one of us, when it's a legitimate fear that you are scared of, considers running, considers how can I back away from this? That's why some of us ran from the marriage that we're in when we should have stayed. Ran from the relationship that we were in when we should have stayed. Fear will cause you to do so much stuff. When we had our first kid, I was like, no more. I don't know how to do this, so no more. Then we had the second kid, no more. I don't know how to, we're even. This is, Katie's got one, I've got one, this works. Then the third one came. For those of you who have more than two children, you understand. It's scary even today. When you got married, most of you, you better have been scared out of your mind. I, it's fun because I get to do weddings and I get to watch the, the bride and the groom, I mean, just losing their minds internally, going, I don't know if I should do this, I don't know if I should, I don't know if I should admit that, I don't know if I can do this, and they're freaking out this fear, but then they make this commitment, it's awesome. But it's amazing how it causes you and I to consider running. What's fear done to you? Just a question to put on your side of the table for you to ask just silently to yourself, what is fear right now doing to you? Is it robbing you of a relationship? Is it robbing you of being the student that you should be? Is it robbing you of being the employee that you should be? Is it robbing you of doing what God's asked you to do? What is fear doing to you? Some of you are saying, I've conquered it. I've got this, David. I'm not being driven by fear, but there are many of us who are going, it's dominating me. It's literally 
dominating me. So, so let me help you. There, there's parts of the story that I've left out for you. And so we're going to return to the story. And, and I want you to see a guy named Caleb and how he becomes instrumental in this. Numbers 13, like I said, we'll go back. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. I mean, if you can't translate that, let me help you. He's like, we're going to go all Avengers on these people. God's given us this land. We're going to go in and this is going to be awesome because God's given it to us. Now watch this. Let's go to the next one. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, listen, and will give it to us. He says one last thing next. Verse nine, their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So he says, do not have fear. Don't be afraid. Why? The Lord is with us. How does someone, because this is a question I have when I read that. So you've got 10 people freaked out of their minds. You now have the whole community of the Israelites saying, begging to either be killed or sent back to slavery. How does this guy named Caleb go, I think we can do it. We can do it. Let's do this. He saw the same thing the other spies saw. How does a guy like Caleb lock in? Is, is he a superhero? Does he have some supernatural thing? Is he stupid? Is he ignorant? How does this guy in this verse have this courage? Well, I can tell you that statement, but the Lord is with us, is a hope-filled statement. So here's what I want you to learn. Hope is the antidote for fear. See, this fear that you and I are often driven by and consumed by, the antidote for that fear is hope. And you see that Caleb never forgets hope, and that hope is found in God's promise. God promised, hey, I got some land for you. It's sweet. I'm gonna give it to you. You just need to go in and kind of strategically take it. But I'm gonna give it to you. Don't worry, I'm gonna give it to you. And Caleb locks onto that promise he locks onto the promise. At least I was told this a long time ago. When you own what God has promised you, fear will lose its power over you. I mean, don't, don't miss this. When you own what God has promised you, and that's what Caleb did, he owned it. He's like, God said it, God said it. It's like a little kid, you remember that? Like, Dad said it, we're gonna do it. And, and my kids use that against me all the time. They'll go to mom and get mom to lock into something, and like, hey, mom said it. And then they do this. You and I have all guilty of this, Caleb's locked up. God said it. God said he's going to give us this land, so, so let's do this. Just, just go in. And it's not that he wasn't afraid. He just didn't let the fear dominate him. When you own what God has promised you, fear will lose its power over you. What's fear doing to you? Is fear driving you? Now, our, our way to combat this, our way to fight fear is broken. Oftentimes, we teach the wrong thing. In fact, I'll tell you and show you. This is a great illustration, by the way. Uh, don't, don't let this make you want to go to the bathroom right now. <clears throat> but this is normally how we engage fear, how we're taught to engage fear. you got you and I, and we've got dreams on the other side, dreams, big dreams, dreams to, to make a difference in this world, to end poverty, to, to manage things that, that are, are so much bigger than us, to have a family, to, to get married, uh, to, to finish school and do well and go to the college you dream. you got dreams, big dreams. But many of us, feel like we don't dream anymore because fear blocks our dreams. In fact, some of you might be saying right now in your head, David, I don't, I don't dream anymore because it's not worth it. 
And you've given up on your dreams so much so that you don't think you even dream anymore. You don't have these hopes and dreams, these big aspirations, because you're saying fear. Fear dominates you. You don't go to the school that you should go to because it's too hard, so you figure something else out. You don't walk across the room and say hi to her because she's out of your league. You don't start the business that you should start because you're afraid and the economy not, might, might not be perfect and you begin to have these fears block your dreams and you and I think, oh, so the way to attack this is to destroy the fears, to somehow psychologically trick yourself to not be afraid anymore. <laughs> Good luck on that one because fears are fears. Here's what you ought to do. It's a better illustration. Grow yourself above your fears so you can see beyond your fears and re-engage your dreams. The issue is not your fear. The issue is not for you to figure out how to dissolve your fear in such a way that it no longer exists and you pretend that you're not afraid of such and such because you will always live, sorry, grown up conversation here, you will always have fears every day of your life. If you're ever doing what God has asked you to do, you're going to be scared out of your mind all of the time. So you cannot get rid of fear. Quit trying to get rid of fear. Grow yourself to where you're bigger than your fear. And the rate of grow this, which is sweet, because it's not a secret, is you've got to grow, your fear, you grow yourself with hope. You've got to get so filled with hope that a fear seems somewhat weak to you. And the only way the only way to grow your hope, listen, is not to figure out how you get the best people around you. It's not to increase your education. It's not to do everything in your power. The way to grow your hope is to remember God's promises. Because God is the strongest. He knows everything. And if you can leverage the fact that God loves you so much and is so incredibly on your team, that if you can lock onto his promises, you'll increase your hope and you'll become a champion of defeating and looking beyond the fear in your life. So, so let me help you. Let me give you a bit of a tool to walk out today. It's a verse, one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 41. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is profound. You better stink and memorize this thing. Because the next time you engage a fear where you're losing your mind and you're wondering and you're considering not doing the right thing because you're afraid, you lock on to something like this. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not forget we're talking about God here, the one that made you and everything else and is absolutely amazing. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, not your family, not your skill set, not your knowledge. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I'll hold you up. So let me bring you to the crux of this entire conversation. Because you will deal with fear every day for the rest of your life. And let me bring you to the center of this. For I am your God. I am your God. I would contend this. You will not grow yourself above your fears until you resolve who is your God. Because right now, some of you have so many fears. And the frank part, I'm going to press in a little bit personal here. Some of you, you are your own God. 
You have resolved in such a way that you think you are strong enough and good enough and can increase your capacity enough to overcome anything and everything. You are so independent and resilient that you have actually made yourself your false god. Some of you, your spouse is your God. Your kids are your God. Your job is your God. Whatever you are relying on for strength, for help, it's your God. This is an intense conversation because you and I are like, well, I don't want like these fake gods. I I don't want to worship something that's not God. That's why the conversation about the voices in your head, particularly fear, you must resolve this. Who is your God? And if it is anyone different than the one and only God, fear will consume you. Who is your God? Who have you resolved in your life that you're gonna rely on for every bit of provision, every bit of strength, When you're desperate and when you're in the moments that you don't feel desperate, who is your God? When you lock onto who your God is, then you can attack fear.